Got like a little makeup bag there or something? With the bills. Resource right before this. Yeah. The way Jamie used to eat so I'll bring her dinner. Nice. <coughs> Yeah. 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 Yeah.
Let's get going tonight. I like the socializing, it's a good sign. This is my time. <laughs> Such a boy. Such a boy. I like to throw it up, so I'm going to be back over here today. Um, one of the girls, one of the students, loud and proud, might stand up and uh, praying for us. Oh, yeah. Awkward stairs. All you, stand up, pray. Let's pray for our time. Me? Oh yeah. <laughs> Just me? Just you. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, dear Lord, thank you all. Thank you so much for bringing us all together. Um, thank you for such a wonderful semester in which we have all um, been transformed by just getting to know you better. And thank you for the boldness that you've instilled in all of us through this time and the relationships that you've made between us all. Um, Lord, we're just so thankful for that. And God, I ask that you just, um, you send us forward just ready to do your will and ready to just be warriors for your kingdom, God. Um, and thank you so much for this opportunity. And please just open us, open our eyes to see and our um, ears to hear whatever Nate has to say tonight. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Um, okay, well, we are going uh, to jump back in. This is my last day to talk with you guys. Next week, we will have Eric Sanquist and Brent Kaiser sharing on the last class. There, I will forewarn you now, there is actually a test to this class. So, real simple uh, test. It will be like a question from each class. Um, but uh, we will have that next weekend as well instead of uh, your cohort time so uh, today though we are just going to kind of continue our conversation about finding fighting and now feeding uh, Ileana really kind of started this off with the idea of, of community creation but just to give you a real brief kind of overview of the sky-high view of where we're going or where we've come from and where we're going. Basically, if you could oversimplify what we have talked about the last few weeks since the LTC retreat, it's one, meet someone. And, well, let's say it this way, there's two lenses to look at at small group leading. One is being a minister to your world, and two is intentional outreach uh, to the broader world. And so when we're talking about kind of intentional outreach to the broader world, whether it's reaching out to, you know, the freshman or uh, the strategic students, I think Brent had a class on that. But, but in the intentional outreach, we're, we're really looking at, one, just meet somebody. And you can look at, you know, the six steps of meeting somebody, if that's helpful to kind of work as a baseline or something. But just basically, one, just meet someone. Make sure to bring Jesus up in that intentional 
initial conversation and kind of assess just where they're at. Are they someone who is at a place where they're willing and ready to be pursued by you and Jesus? And so, really, just that simply, go meet somebody, bring Jesus up quickly, see if that's somebody, if if either you assess from like those three core uh, criteria, are they cool with you, Jesus, and your community? They don't have to want all three of those, but they need to be okay with Jesus being around. Um, if not, just try and minister in the moment and move on with your life. But if they are, if it seems like they are, or maybe God, just the Holy Spirit's always the trump card, and sometimes he just says, you don't think this person's ready, but actually they are. Just fight for them. So always being sensitive to the Holy Spirit's guidance when you're out there. But but when you're out there, just meet somebody, strike up that conversation, bring Jesus up quickly, see if you can assess in the Spirit and just in your own mind whether or not they are somebody who's ready or willing to be pursued. When you find somebody who you think is is ready to be pursued in their life, then pursue them. And pursue, meaning get into their world, go to them, and also invite, uh, invite them into your world. And when you find someone who responds to your pursuit, uh, that's often the biggest indicator of whether or not these guys are like ready to be pursued, is whether or not they respond to your pursuit, or whether you call them you know, five times in the first two weeks and get voicemails every time with no response, right? So do are they ready to be pursued? And if they respond to your pursuit and they reciprocate your invitation or they respond to your invitation, keep pursuing them. Just keep pursuing. And when you start to do that, um, remember pursuing them is more than just physical space, although that is critical. Pursuing them in their world, pursuing them physically, like stopping by their dorm, stopping by their workplace, stopping by, you know, just stopping and hanging out with them after class, whatever it is, pursuing them, um, but also pursuing them in the areas of those three core criteria, pursuing them in, in their relationship with Jesus, bringing Jesus into that conversation, letting Jesus pursue them through you. So are you intentionally, regularly bringing Jesus up? Are you intentionally, regularly inviting community into their world as well. You bring your resource leader or your cohort leader or your, your you know, some guys or gals like, hey, let's go over and see if we can meet a couple of people or hang out with a couple of people we just met. Like, are you pursuing community in their life? Are you inviting them into your community in your life? And when you find those people who reciprocate that pursuit and that invitation, uh, then just keep pursuing those. Start creating community around your life. Because remember, a small group is not a weekly meeting. Small group is not a program, it is not a lesson plan, it is not you know, all these other things. But small group is a community of people who are leaning on each other as they pursue Christ or they journey towards Christ. They may not even love Christ yet, but they're going to learn to love what you love if they fall in love with you. So as you pursue, we're really about creating uh, we're going to talk about this a little bit today, but we're really about creating culture. And creating culture is really about creating values. And so we're trying to create values that do not exist. Our community as a whole, overall, does not value Christ, does not love him, his kingdom, his world. He gets in the way of their agenda, their cultural norms and values. And so we are. how do you create values? You create values by experience. Ex experiences are the number one way we create values in our life. What we experience dictates how we think about the world and life. And so we are trying to help people create new values 
by inviting them to journey with us in the pursuit of Christ. So your small group is this group of people. So you may have people that come to your weekly meeting that aren't in your small group yet because they're just kind of hanging around, checking things out. They're not really sure if they're wanting to be a community in your life or around your world. You know, you might have people that are in your small group that can't make it all the time to your weekly meeting. But they're actively participating in the community of your life and the community around your life and the people that you are pouring into. So your small group is a, it revolves around your life as your life revolves around Christ. So as you do that, you create a small group community. Um, so we've talked a little bit about like that find, okay, get it out there, intentional, or just looking in your world. And I'll, I might mention within the, the framework of what I just said, go out and find somebody, pursue them, invite them. If they respond to those two things, pursue them more. Start inviting them into your life. Uh, in the community around your life, that small group. If you do that, the only difference between intentional outreach and and ministry to your world is really that first step. That an intentional outreach, that finding step, you're going out there intentionally trying to find somebody and, and kind of filter based on whether or not you assess, <coughs> you sense that they're ready to build a friendship with you or have the, have the potential to become your brother someday or your sister. So you're doing that like super intentionally. In the world, that step is just basically, hey, you have relationships that are just pre-existent because of other factors. Because you're in the same class, you're in the same major, you're in the same job, you're in the same, you know, whatever. So you have other factors that hold you together other than the kingdom of God. And in ministering to your world, it's all the same steps, so to speak. I'm just being real systematic here, obviously. But it's all the same steps, aside from that first one, where you basically are just taking these relationships that are existing and continuing to exist, whether or not they want Christ, and looking for opportunities to just minister to them. And then when you do find somebody in those relationships in your life and in your world that are ready to have that relationship with you and Jesus in your community, then you move on from there in this exact same way. But sometimes these these people, this might be like a, a you know, a year-long, a, you know, a college career type relationship. It's like, yeah, we're kind of friends. You know, they had absolutely no interest in Jesus when I first got to know him. But then they're, you know, what have you. Your, their dad died when they were a junior. That was a friend of mine. Like crisis hits. They were ready at that point to really seek meaning and value of something kind. And I was there. And man, that connection became a relationship that I began to pursue and drew them into my life. So, you know, it's, it's all the same. We're basically saying your job as a minister of the gospel is always to be a minister of the, to your world, to be a minister to your world. And sometimes that means intentional outreach <coughs> to specific people groups, to specific situations, but always, sometimes small group leaders will delineate those two things. Um, and really, if we teach you how to be a minister to the university, that will help you as much as you stay here. So as much as I would love for you to never leave me and to stay here and find your career in campus ministry at Chi Alpha at Colorado State University, the vast majority of you aren't going to, and I get that. And so we want this not only to be like, hey, we are dreaming of the day when this campus has enough people fighting for them <coughs> that every student on this campus is relationally connected to somebody. That's, that's certainly an agenda, that is certainly a goal, that's certainly a vision that we have. But if that's all we do for you, then we have only taught you what to do for a couple of years, and then you'll move on with your life and not how to, know how to translate that. If you learn how to not just do intentional outreach within the context of Welcome Week and you know Chi Alpha 
outreach events and activities, if you learn to broaden that into your world and be a minister of the gospel, it's very similar in all of that. But if you learn to do that, then that's a lifelong skill. It's not contextualized to the university's rhythms. That's just your life. And you become a minister of the gospel in your world, no matter what the context is. And so whether you become an engineer, a teacher, a barista, whatever your future will be, you will be somebody who is a child of God, ministering the love of Christ and the relationship of the kingdom into the world and changing the culture around you, no matter where you find yourself. So that's our goal. Okay, so you guys with me? Yeah? All right. All right. I kind of went off on tangents there. But uh, we are going to be looking at principles of feeding. So we've talked about, like, okay, we, how, do we, how do we find those people, whether it's in our world or whether it's intentional outreach? How do we pursue those people? How do we fight for those people? So the whole thing of pursuit and invitation, but invitation after pursuit. So we've talked about those principles and those concepts. Now we're talking about feeding. How do we, okay, I've got this guy in my life. We're becoming friends. We're finding this connection. He's kind of starting to be curious about Jesus because he's curious about all these, this Christian community that I've invited him into and that he's starting to experience. What do I do with him now? How do I pour into him the kingdom of God? And really, this is where the rubber meets the road. If you do everything up until this point but don't do this, what's the point? Other than you'll have a, you know, maybe another Facebook friend to talk to once in a blue moon when you leave for graduate college. I'm fighting for him to be my brother yeah. and to grow in that relationship as my brother. So how do I make him my little brother? How do I push him and challenge him and stretch him and grow him and love him and serve him and sacrifice for him in a way that draws <coughs> him or her deeper into that relationship with God? So where, where we're going today is a little bit of that. How do we feed them? Now, Ellie talked a little bit uh, last week where we were talking about community and just the, the core concepts of community, which is always the lens that we're best at doing discipleship. The best way that we feed people is always through the filter of community. When we're together, we are more like Christ than when we are apart. And so we emulate and we challenge and we encourage each other and we lift Christ up in our in our community far better than we do me to you directly. Although there is a time and a place for that as well. Okay, so how do we go about that? Um, there are there are kind of rhythms to the semester. I, I kind of like looking at this. Sometimes this is valuable. Sometimes it's maybe just a kind of an interesting nuance. But, but the beginning of the semester, typically um, somebody in a small group is really needing um, brotherhood. Where are our three core values? What's that? Somebody, I heard somebody. Brotherhood, personal walk, responsibility. Yeah, there you go, there you go, PBR. All right, so brotherhood, that's, it's always gonna be a, a foundational uh, value of our community. But at the very beginning of the semester, that is typically the biggest thing you're trying to emphasize. That is that is the biggest thing you're trying to highlight. Everybody's like, you know, freshmen are lonely. I'm out of state. I don't know anybody. Or hey, I'm in college. I'm looking to make friends and connections. I I often had so many guys in my small group just because they found out that they hung out with me. They got to meet lots of people. So if I was just good at getting them to like have meaningful and substantial and lots of conversations with people, you know, I was constantly like kind of 
I just call it bird dogging a little bit, right? You know, anybody hunters out here, you know, your bird dog, like, you know, sees the bird. All right. Um, some people are like, you're so weird. Um, I'm a country boy. What can I say? So you kind of bird dogging. So when I be out in a Chi Alpha event, one, I'm making sure no other small group leaders are like, you know, messing with my guy. Like, hey, you know. What's, how's it going? You know, I'd come over if the small group leader was talking for more than like three minutes with my guy. Like, hey, you meet my guy? <laughs> my guy? Yeah, yeah, cool. Okay, so little healthy, little healthy challenge. If if they can't have a conversation with another small group leader, if another small group leader could steal them, then they, then you never really had them. So you know, I just kind of like, hey, you know. but at the same time, I'm really actually wanting that. I'm like, dude, you should meet my best friend. You know, Josh, you should. Tyler is awesome. You should go talk to him. You know, I'm just trying to get them because oftentimes they don't know even how to have a good conversation. Half the time these guys are like, you know, I'm wide-eyed, scared. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm really excited to be in college. I'm also kind of nervous and I don't know how to have, you know, trying to play cool, which means I really just am disconnected. And so, you know, I'm helping them have these conversations, right? And as I help them, yeah, dude, you have this connection with this guy. You know, you guys are both into this. You should, you know, Talk to him about that. Tell me, you know, tell him about that thing you told me about how you were in that club in high school. You know, I'm trying to just get the conversation going so they're, I don't just like leave them out in like the Kyle event or the large group or whatever and be like, you know, try to hang out. Like, hope it, hope you figure it out. So, you know, I'm gonna go hang out with my friends. Now I'm constantly trying to get them to like grow in in depth of friendship and relationship. If I can be the means for them to grow in their community relationships. I'm, I'm their, I become their best friend because I'm the means for them to build all their other friendships too. Um, so brotherhood is just kind of a, a thing that we're going to be highlighting. And as I invite them into my community, they see the love of Christ, the community of God. They're going to see, um, sometimes even when they go out into the world and have relationships and communities outside of ours, they'll start to see uh, hopefully a difference between those, those two things. And oftentimes we see people come to the Lord because they have other relationships um, they keep coming back to ours they walk away sometimes even for seasons away from the community of God because they don't love Jesus but they keep coming back because they're like there's something here that I want that you know this other world this other community this other lifestyle doesn't give me and they start to like why do you why are you different and they suddenly realize when they find that it's the love of Christ in the community they start to love who we love Okay, so brotherhood is kind of key. This is there's no exact timeline here, but in the fall, you know, if we're talking kind of fall semester, you know, this is just the the big emphasis. Always here, but the big emphasis that we're trying to highlight is small group leaders at first. Um, then um, we're gonna get to really really hitting um, personal walk. So as I get them into the community, I'm, I'm able to more effectively bring up Jesus and talk about the Lord. And, you know, sometimes I think I told you guys, like, I would often just have conversations with my guys if I was reaching out to a group of guys. I would just start talking about the Lord in front of them because I do that anyways. I mean, whether they're there or not, I'm going to do that. But I'm, I'm intentionally like, hey, they're sitting next to me. I'm going to have that conversation with Brent that, I, you know, just because I like to go there, but I'm going to intentionally kind of do that so that they can listen in on it too. Or we just, you know, we just be talking the values of the community uh, starts to infuse into 
the people around them. So our personal walk with God is highlighted as the community, the brotherhood, is strengthening itself. And so we don't have to like push the community quite as much. People are starting to like have their friend groups and their communities and all that kind of stuff. They're kind of starting to become assumed and pre-established and developed a little bit. And we're needing to like really, hey, let's let's talk about why what our community is really about. Um, and then uh, we'll we'll get to with some people. Uh, this often will go all I mean all the way. This is this is the emphasis all the way. Although for some people. And a lot of you guys were actually here. Uh, we start kind of just honing in a little bit on responsibility right here. And let's say this is finals. Um, so we're kind of like vision casting maybe LTC, or we're we're starting to do what we call we'll get into like the passion development here in a little bit. But we're starting to just kind of talk through or experience or getting you to like, hey, come out with me. I've got this guy that I'm reaching out to that I met last week, really cool guy. Why don't you come with me as we, I was gonna go try to hang out with them. Right, so we start kind of inviting uh, people to go like, hey, they're ready uh, for that step um, more into that. So that's your fall semester broadly in the values of the, of the mission. And again, every formula, every rhythm, every system that I say has Lots of exceptions, but it just kind of gives you an interesting baseline to work from as you're thinking through this. For you, interestingly enough, it's a little bit different. You're going to feel heavy responsibility right here. So it's actually interesting. You're going to actually be having a different experience than your small group members because you're like creating this community and you're feeling like the pressure in a healthy way to get out there and meet people and talk to people and all that. So your, your emphasis right here is responsibility. And, and from that responsibility, you're like, I can't do this alone. I don't know what I'm doing. I need my brothers. And so brotherhood becomes like critical in there. As you're stepping out in responsibility, the felt need of the community becomes stronger and the brotherhood. And then we just keep always pushing our walk with God as we realize um, my brothers aren't enough and I need to really hone in and grow. If I'm going to push them in their personal walk, if I'm going to push them into responsibility, I need to just be going gangbusters in my walk with the Lord and, and letting that light out. Not that we don't always highlight that in our walk, but letting it out and being intentional to draw that out uh, of my life becomes critical there. Okay. Um, so a small group member's journey um, is, is really about us trying to impart uh, these kingdom convictions. And what are those kingdom convictions on your printout here? This this is not every conviction in the kingdom. I don't pretend you know that would be an infinitude. We have an infinite God. But here are just some of those core values in our ministry within the three R's. Um, this one is really actually emphasizing our walk with God. This is just emphasizing really kind of our <coughs> personal walk with God. Um, but these these are this is just an interesting sheet where we keep refining this, but these are some of our, kind of our core values that we're, we're saying we really want before somebody leaves our community, before they, if they're in a small group community, we're wanting these areas to really grow and flourish and, and be emphasized um, 
at different points in the year and different seasons. There's different emphasis, but but these things should be thought through and and kind of evaluated for our people. One is salvation. Like, hey, do they understand concepts of why and how their salvation works, or if, you know, if they don't have the salvation, how that works? If you have somebody who doesn't understand that, you need to go there. <laughs> you need to talk about that. You need to wrestle with. Why does he have to die? Like, you know, the blood thing—it's just kind of weird and gross, and like I don't understand. You know, like we need to talk about salvation. Do you understand your salvation? How it works? Yeah, Jesus. You know, when I was five, my Sunday school teacher said Jesus died for my sins, and I. Like, yes, but do you understand? Not that I haven't fully mastered by any stretch, but have we begin to press in? Do we understand the weight and the value of it? Um, and as a result, is there a sense of wonder and gratitude for salvation? Uh, lordship, do they make decisions only after seeking what the Lord would have them do? Uh, you know, and that's, and that's something you can kind of challenge and encourage and push. Like, hey, you've got this big decision. You're wrestling with, like, you know, what you should do with the summer. Have you talked to the Lord? Have you even asked him? Oh, yeah, I probably should, shouldn't I? Well, let's, why don't we just spend some time and pray and just see if the Lord would give us some guidance. Right? You give context for the, for the Lordship of Christ. You know, we all like Savior. Is he Lord of our life? Prayer, worship, the Bible. I'm not going to go through all of these things. But mind and love with God, sin and holiness, right? Jesus can be my Santa Claus, the thing that I add to my life. Or is he the the thing, the person that I'm emulating after and consecrating my life to. Relationship with the Holy Spirit, practicing the presence of God, that's meaning like I'm not just a Western Christian that kind of compartmentalizes my faith to a service or to a Bible study or to you know these times, but am I infecting my life with the kingdom of God? Is it is it merging into every area? Does his presence go with me? Not that God isn't always with me, but am I living in the realization and the recognition of his ongoing presence? Understanding the nature and character of God, that's just kind of the understanding of his intrinsic nature. We have an infinite God, so if you think you understand it just because of Sunday school, you don't. I don't. There's a lot more there. Are we constantly pressing into deeper understanding and growing? It's one of the reasons why we value like ODGs. It's just this cultural idea of like, man, there's so much to learn and grow and be challenged by and in wonder of, both in our own personal life and in our understanding of God and his infinite wisdom. Um, and then you get this some of these questions at the bottom, like how many of the above have you seen develop? Um, if multiple of these develops, meaning defined by phases of passion development, we'll get to that later. Uh, if multiple of these, then they are on a growth curve in the relationship with God. Um, you see some that are stronghold to them growing further. You see, man, Lordship, they are, they're just not willing to surrender. Right? They understand salvation, but they just are not willing to, to bend their will to God. Right? Okay, so we need to press there. If there is, then creating kind of a decision moment for them, creating them, you know, telling them, challenging them sometimes. So they're like, hey, you have incredible potential, and I want to walk with you in my life, in, this, in our walk with God, but I think you are, you know, stalling because you are not willing to surrender and you need to, to give this up. You need to give that girlfriend up. You need to give that control of your future up. You need to, you know, whatever it is. And there is a time, and there will be a time, you know, I know we don't all love this, but you will have to challenge at times. Sometimes people love that too much, and it's like, you know, you really should just, you know, you know, 
be patient, just chill out. You know, but but so often we're just like, I'm chill for the rest of their life, right? We need to care more about their future than their friendship even is one of the maxims we use. We need to care about them growing in their walk with God. Is there something holding them back? Can you point to one of the above that they are intentionally trying to grow in? Um, if not, maybe challenge them. If so, maybe coach them. So challenge is like, hey, you know and I know that you should be like praying and spending time with the Lord, but you're not. Dude, you need to. And I'm gonna I'm gonna hold you accountable to that. Coaching's like you're trying and you're kind of like not really sure how to do this well, and I'm just gonna like kind of help you, leaning on each other, right? Like let's get up at seven, we're gonna go over to Danford Chapel and just hang out for an hour, you know, every Thursday morning for the next month, right? I just coaching and guiding and, and mentoring. Um if their relationship with God is not growing, then is it due to a lack of intentional investments by us? Like, hey, are we just too scared to actually push them and support them and challenge them and grow them? Um, or by a stronghold in their life? They're just not willing to surrender the Lordship. Um, and if it's, if it's hey, we're not challenging them or encouraging them, like, what can we do to change that? Uh, there's a little... I don't know if it's a maxim, but just kind of a mindset in Chi Alpha that says uh, people grow oftentimes through sort of a process of I do and you watch. That creates the desire. That creates the value for a thing. I do, you watch. You're like, oh, that's really cool. Right? I have an uncle who gave his life to the Lord, my uncle-in-law, uncle but he gave his life to the Lord in post-college because he went in the business world, realized the only people that he respected had one thing in common. They were all Christian businessmen said there must be something about them, right? They were doing, he was watching, it created a hunger for something he didn't have a desire for, right? So I do, you watch, then I do, you help, right? It's like in small group leading, some of you guys are like starting to kind of help your small group leader. Maybe you've like, you know, maybe did your weekly meeting right now, or you're starting to have a little more responsibility, like fight for people that, you know, your small group leader is letting you in on, like, hey, we're really trying to like make this guy our brother, like, you're getting in on that. You're helping, uh, but it's really under maybe a small group leader's uh, tutelage. Then it's um, they do. I help. That's going to be like your your resource leader this next year. They're going to be out there helping you and and encouraging you and cheerleading and challenging and all that kind of stuff. But it's really like you're doing it. They're there to support and help and give you the the backing that you need. Um, and then basically you do. Uh, we watch, um, which tends to flip right then to uh, you doing for somebody else. Um, so you kind of see this progression. So are are we doing that? We talked about prayer, but have you prayed with your guys or girls? Like you know, okay, you talked about why prayer is important. You understand the intellectual idea. So are you doing it? So those kinds of ideas. Uh, just it's just a good kind of rough sheet um, that we're working from a little bit in our personal walk with God. How are we pushing them, challenging them, and encouraging them to grow in that relationship with God? And so, again, this is always critical. We're just talking, there are seasons where some things are talked about more for the front, but they're always assumed that we are needing, first and foremost, to model this in our own life. So, if we're modeling it, um, we'll get somewhere. If we're not, then they won't. Okay. So, 
those that is kind of a baseline idea of our kingdom convictions. So we're trying to impart these kingdom convictions. If I do, you watch Crane Values. So they do, we watch because they have those convictions now. Um, but how do we go about that? How do we go about creating these convictions? I do, you watch, but, but even a little more in depth. How do we create culture? So I want to talk just a little bit about how do we create culture. And on the back of your sheet here, it just has uh, some breakdowns of some ideas of how cultural values are created. And this is just a fascinating conversation for me and one that really only the last few years I've really started to have it and think through it through this lens and studying um, just the idea of how is how are cultural values created and what is culture and how do we create that. The strongest cultures, the strongest values are created in a culture, in a community of people who are all sharing the same values and somehow able to infect, so to speak, those values into the world around them. So what is culture and how do we create that? Well, when we're talking about these kingdom convictions, how do we infuse those kingdom convictions through the culture, through the community, uh, into the lives of our guys and gals? So just some ideas, some things to think through. Um, through the actions that we model. So that can include things like the stories that we tell. So the stories that we tell, tell everybody around us the values that we have, right? Our, our stories um, that we tell in our, in our culture. You know, the American Revolution tells our story and tells the whole, every child that grows up in that, that one of our values is to overcome tyranny and freedom. The pursuit, you know, freedom is one of our values. Why? Because we keep, we, our story enforces and reinforces that concept. What are the stories that we tell? The lifestyles or actions that we elevate. Um, so, so what do we commonly highlight within the story? Right? When we, when we, whether it's watching the latest Marvel movie or whether it's, you know, just talking about how cool somebody is. What is that? What are those things that we are highlighting um, and elevating and celebrating within the world around us? So uh, sometimes we talk about like when people go do missions trips, like we're always celebrating that. Or when they're going out and trying to like share their faith for the first time, we're like elevating that. Why? Because when we highlight, not just that you did that behind closed doors, but when we celebrate things, um, that people do that reinforces this is something worth spending the time as a community. The community sees this as a value to celebrate and elevate and highlight. Uh, stories about our community's narrative that reinforce our cultural values. Um, this just is similar to the above, but it's a little more nuanced to what is our story. So we as Americans find a sense of value because I identify I'm an American and as an American. This is our story as Americans. And so I connect this dot, not just to like the stories of like, you know, the English that I, you know, have some values that we want to try to emulate, but what is our story? And the more that we tell our story that lines up with those values, it tells the world around us. And if it really tells us, they talk about these cultures that are strongest, tell each other their narrative a lot. Like they tell, you know, you think about like the times in American culture 
and good or bad, I, I don't care, but the times in American culture where nationalism and national patriotic values are strongest are, are often overlapped with these seasons where uh, Americans emphasize and aren't scared to highlight our narrative, our story of, of you know, overcoming tyranny and fighting for you know, the, the oppressed or you know, whatever, whatever the storylines that we highlight, those tend to work together. Uh, the heroes that we make, again, this is like lifestyles or actions that we elevate, but this is encapsulated in a person. Not just, hey, it's amazing when you know you sacrifice for someone and tell a story of somebody who sacrificed for you, but when you tell a story of Jesus, right? He's he encapsulates the the value that you're talking about. He is the hero of our story. So, who are the people? Sometimes we ha- elevate missionaries because they're encapsulating certain values that we're like, hey, these guys are sacrificing and laying down, laying it all down. Not that that's the only way that you can make Jesus Lord, but it's certainly uh, a context that we can say, man, these guys are heroes. Look at how they are laying down their life to fight for people in that way. Um, the actions we celebrate is kind of rearticulating. The language we use, uh, we talk about maxims and things like that because when we rearticulate our language, and when we use common language, it creates values through that lens. Um, the values that are shared experiences forge. Uh, that's that's kind of an interesting one, but when we have a common experience, and this is one of the reasons why memory creation is actually really valuable, but when we have a shared experience, it, it reinforces certain values together in the community. You know, when we when we do leadership, we have it together in a resource group. Man, when we you know fought for that guy and we were helping each other, or when we were you know going out on welcome week, you know those. Uh, the values of the community are reinforced as we do things together that line up with those values. Okay, the structures, what we measure. Um, attention is given to what is measured. So uh, people are like, oh, the numbers thing, I'm not even talking about that. But like, you know, the idea of like, what, what do we define success by, right? Man, you went out there and fought for that guy and, and man, it was tough. Uh, you know, we were just celebrating one of our staff guys who's been fight, uh, I think Jacob actually was uh, staff was highlighting uh, Casso because he'd been fighting for a guy uh, for the last couple of years, and this guy finally gave his life to the Lord, but we didn't know if it would ever go, ever ever going to happen, right? And so there was this idea of like um, what would measure success, right? Like some not just that the guy gave his life to the Lord, but that Casso had fought for him for so long and sacrificed for this guy. What we measure. What gives? What do we give attention to? Uh, the values, your structures, and environment communicate. I'm not gonna go too much in that. That's uh, pretty in-depth concepts there. But uh, today, I just cut and pasted some of this stuff. Some of that might not make sense. Systems at London Railways. Um, yeah, actually, actually, an example case. I should have cut that out of your uh, printout. Uh, yeah. It has to do, in a negative sense, there was a massive fire uh, years ago, back when the London Railway was uh, uh, huge in wood. It had wood everywhere. It was constructed uh, with wood. Um, and they created a culture in the London Railway uh, organization that because people kept getting upset, because people were like over, like stepping on their turf, so to speak, like, oh, I'm in charge of that. So like, you should. They created this culture where nobody could speak up, and there was a fire that happened, and 
there's these crazy things that that happened that could have prevented it. Like like a guy actually saw a piece of wood like floating down the the uh, subway uh, that was on fire, and he was like, "That's really weird." But he didn't do anything because he knew if he tried to sound an alarm for a fire, it would get in the way of these other guys who were in charge of it. And he, he was like, it's probably nothing. Somebody just, you know. And so he wasn't willing to step out uh, because he was afraid of being penalized. And so they created this culture of restrictive authority. And so uh, all these things happened. And by the time they realized that the fire was actually uh, a thing, it was too late. And, Thousands of people died. So it's kind of the idea of what are your structures communicating? Okay, um, microcommunication, I'm like I'll get into that. Subways in New York, there's a lot of subway examples. For some reason, subways are like super culture creators, uh, weird examples of cultures, issues, and successes. Um, <clears throat> New York is actually a good one, but we don't have time for that. Okay, principles. The values of the majority in the community, or sometimes the most outspoken segment of a community, set the values for the community. So they talk about uh, this idea, like in, in AA, now I've never been to an AA meeting, but just culturally, I know what happens. You walk in, you say, Hi, I'm Nate, everybody says, hi, Nate, I'm an alcoholic, <laughs> right? You, you acknowledge this sense of this, this is what I've gone through, this is, this is identifying my issue. And, and what they have found is AA is interestingly successful despite the fact that it has no great uh, psychological uh, training, no great, you know, all there's like this weird, like, why does this work? And they've been trying to study this for years, like, why does AA even succeed for so many people? And what they found is one of the biggest components of it is it creates an environment of vulnerability, we'll talk about that in a minute, but a vulnerability that creates an environment of, of a community of belief. I'm not even talking religious belief, although it certainly overlaps. But a community, when you walk in, there is this sense of belief that we can overcome, right? I'm like, man, if that guy can can overcome you know, his addiction, he's been sober for three years, I think I can do it, right? It creates this value. And even though a lot of people sometimes are walking in brand new, they don't overpower the community of belief because the culture of the community is so oriented around empowering towards their values that it creates this environment, this culture that believes and has hope and values those things um, in its structures and systems. Okay, so are we creating uh, a community of belief? That's why resource group is really important, uh, why the larger ministry uh, community is really important. Um, even large group, you know, even even if you know you listen to me, it's like I don't know if I got anything out of that. But just your know, post post after that, being in the community, if the community is modeling and emulating those values, when you get to, you know Friday night, you get your guys together and you go like, hey, let's go hang out, you know, over at Brent's place or or you know Illy's place or whatever, and you're you're hanging out, you're being together. There is this power in community that you can't create by yourself. You can't create that by just getting a bunch of guys that like to hang out, you get them together. You Oftentimes, what I've found this often happens is a small group leader, if they're too alienating from community, can't, and sometimes they're really good at gathering people, they'll get people together and nothing will ever happen because they can't create a community of belief. You can't create a community out of you. And so, you know, it's like, 
what about, you know, people with optional copium? I've got like six guys that are really, you know, they're open to Jesus, but they're not believers. And, and they just, like, I've got these six guys and they're all lost. Like, what do I do? It's like, you have to get them into your resource group or into your friend group, into your community, because you need to create an environment of belief in Christ. If you try to have your weekly meeting and the only context of ministry is that weekly meeting with six lost guys and you, you have lost the game because the first time somebody has an objection or a question or an issue, guess who's going to win the discussion? Yes, everybody knows you're going to have the Christian perspective. But everybody else, the community is commu communicating in this group, this is actually how we should see things and how we should value it and how we should see the world in Christ. Okay, so, um, yeah, movements require weak ties, which is kind of this idea of the broader community. Uh, they often find that values in a community are created at least as much by people that you kind of know as by people that you deeply know. Um, and so weak ties and strong ties. So strong ties is like, hey, my small group leader uh, really is, has an incredible walk with God. Like they, they have this incredible prayer life. And, and because of that strong tie, uh, two things happen. I, one, attribute it not to a community value, but to the value of that person, right? Like my small group leader has that. And I also know if I don't have that myself, we have this close relationship, so they're going to give me grace. It'll be fine. But when the when we have these what we call weak ties, when it's like, oh, but so does so and so, and I heard this other person that you know I met last week talking about you know what they were doing for their in their walk with the Lord, like, man, all of a sudden, you, when it's weak ties communicating the values, you don't attribute it to them, you attribute it to the community's values. And when the community is on board on the same page, uh, it's very powerful. Uh, I remember Duncan talking about coming into Chi Alpha and not loving reading. He was like, I'm not a reader. I hate reading. It's so boring. I'm not. But then he got into this into this circle of Chi Alpha people, and and they would just be hanging out after this thing or that thing. And they talk about sports. They talk about girls. And then they just they always bring up what they've been reading. And and Duncan would say something stupid. You know, he'd be like, you know, bash somebody or something like Dude, what that guy was so dumb when he did that and they just all kind of look at him so anyway we're you know and so they and there's this thing they call serve and return if they talk about it in child development that what you return every time somebody does something it's like serving it's like i'm like slow pitching right i'm serving this to you and i want to see how you respond to it when a little kid is like you know Boy, my boys, they're in that phase right now. And sometimes you just have to, it's so hard not to return just comic laughter because you know this is this is so ridiculous. But if you you know, if I return like laughter at that thing they did, it's gonna like I'm gonna be living with that for the next like two weeks. I just I can't, you know, I can't laugh, right? You know, like because what we and we have that response. So Duncan like he would say something that was not in line with the kingdom values, and they sometimes they wouldn't you know they wouldn't call him out. They just look at him like, okay. So what you don't respond to is sometimes equally as powerful in a community setting. That's actually really really hard. When somebody says like a dirty joke and you're like that's really not appropriate in this context, now, you know, or when somebody like is like not being honoring to somebody or something, you know, it's so hard to not respond. 
No, but when you're just like, there was, so Duncan would do this stuff and they would just not return any of his dumb stuff. I've, I've lost all my material, right? It's like my boys right now, like sometimes, I know it's, you guys are parents yet, you'll get there, but, but poop is like all they've got. Like I have nothing of comedy. I have nothing. I have no wits. I have no context to be, you know, all I've got is bowel movements. And so, so it just comes up all the time, all the time. It's like just nonstop. And so I, I tell them like, you know, I, like they're eating. I'm like, Hey, like just the other night I was over at Kaiser's. We were having dinner together and, and they're all saying poop to each other and they're all laughing and I'm like, dude, Preston, no more. And I tell them like, this is not going to help you build relationship with people. But you know, you know, I'm trying to like, you know, like contextualize it, like why it's important. Like this is actually going to like not be so funny pretty soon and you need to learn to like broaden your comic relief. But, 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 you know, of course, Everly and Cohen are all laughing. Like, ah, but, but it's like instantly, like when I take that away, they have nothing. You stole all my material, Dad. I, that's that's all I have, right? So then they just sit quietly, like, what do I do? And then somebody like, poop, snicker. Ah, and somebody goes, like, like, come on, really? So I'm going way off track here, but <laughs> bring it back. Um, the point was, I'm expounding on this way too much, but when Duncan was in this community, he realized I, all my material, I, I don't have any material because they won't return on my, you know, what I'm serving. And so he's like, man, I, and so he starts reading and he become he became like an incredible reader. He loves reading, not because necessarily he loves like the reading as a concept, but he loves what he found in it. But that value came because he was like, you know, I said something dishonoring about somebody. Like, that guy is such an idiot. And there was like, anyway, so, you know, and then all of a sudden he'd say, well, I read uh, Tozer last night. And they're like, what? What did you read? Uh, the Pursuit of God. No kidding. I love that. You know, where, where are you at? You know, and they start going into it. They were returning instantly on what he says. And he it becomes a value that really first is a value of acceptance. It's seeking acceptance in the community. But it grows from there and becomes a value. You know, C.S. Lewis talks about about that idea a little bit, where you know the kid who's learning piano needs to be given a short-term um, benefit kind of thing. Like if you tell him or her, someday you are going to be able to express yourself in a way that you will you would never be able to express yourself. Otherwise, by sitting here for hours on end as a little kid and stroking keys, right? They're not going to last. They're not going to hold on. But if you say, okay, if you do this today, I'll give you a, you know, we'll go to Dairy Queen afterwards. Okay, okay. You know, you got to have that kind of short-term value for that long-term value. And the community so often works as that. Okay. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm way off track here. Okay. Um, Uh, da, 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 da. Yeah, okay, I think I'm going to wrap up there. Um, another exercise you can do as a leader is is just kind of ask the question, what what is that kingdom value that we looked at the other page? What's that kingdom value that I feel like, man, really needs to grow right now? Really needs to grow for them. 
Um, and their their devo life, their prayer life needs to really grow. Their thought life uh, sucks, and they just they never have anything good to think about. They need to grow in in their thought life. Okay. So now I have this area that I'm like, man, I just really want to push them. I really want to go there with them as my brother. I really want to like start to have our relationship grow in that area and be part of that. I want to get to hang out and like just freak out about God together and he's not there yet. So how do I get him there? So we can kind of look through this this list and be like, what are things that I can do intentionally to help grow them there? You know, can I get my resource group in on it and be like, hey guys, we're going to hang out you know, tomorrow night. Um, we had that really cool conversation about such and such, you know, last week. I think this guy would, would really would really grow from like hearing that. Like, would you mind just be intentional and kind of like bring him in about that, you know, thing you were reading last week? You know, what, whatever. How how can you think through, you know, the stories that we tell, the lifestyles or actions that we're elevating? You know, in my time with them, man, I, of course, I love, um, you know, this this story or this thing in the Bible. Uh, but maybe I really need to tell them that. I need to get that out from under the bushel or under the bush, you know, and let that out um, intentionally because they need to hear it. Or the heroes that we make or the actions we celebrate. So you can go through this and it's just kind of a lens to be like, okay, this is how I can think through how to be intentional, to grow them in those kingdom values um, in your walk with God. Remember, we're talking about feeding. How do I feed these people? And it's often a really challenging question to me is like, we have an infinite God. What do I say? <laughs> I can say anything and everything. I mean, there's, I have an infinite God. We talked about, um, you know, I think the rifle versus the shotgun metaphor. Did we talk about that? I think we did. Yeah. yeah. So that kind of thing. We can. We should always be talking about what we're growing in, because that's part of like this this servant return. I should always be vulnerable and real and authentic about, man, this is what God's challenging me in, and where I'm struggling and wrestling what I'm learning, um, but we should also be thinking through more than just like letting them in on my life, how can I be used by God as a vessel of God's journey with them to grow their walk? And they're going to grow from experiencing ours, but also have to be a little more intentional to also grow them in those areas where maybe I'm not really going to think about talking about that thing that was like five years ago that I really felt like the Lord dealt with me on, but they are there and I'm not there journeying in that, but they need to hear that. How do I help them in that season? Does that make sense? Okay, let's take uh, 10 minutes and we'll get back together here at, at about 8.09. Get back together.
Yes, I look like I am. Directors that are taking over pre-established and uh, church, church things. Transitioning from church. Yeah. Or church sponsored or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's going to be awesome. It is. Complicated. <laughs> I'm, walking, I'm walking through that one. One of the churches of the spring. We had this. I had this like two-hour breakfast at district council with their pastor, one of their associates, and it basically it was left with like we're talking through like how they could serve and how what their part would look like. And their idea was we would like actual events in the crowd that could like mop up people doing and they're, they're talking like super stuff like they're like literally talking we have we have the like Bobby or William like Craig or like literally they mentioned those guys like we can do that I'm like only if you do that but if you think that is how you, and we really kind of talked through that whole thing like fighting fighting and beating but like this will help this will not help them fight that's what you think it's supposed to do. I think it's still one of my favorite things. Well, it would help them fight. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
will help them feed. Like for that one, that group is like yeah. the actual will show up to that. Yeah. Group will show up. The group is like, hey, we're we're in according to our priorities on Jesus. Like those conversations will be awesome for that. That's a much smaller yes. kind of graphic. Yes. 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 Honestly, like it shook them a little bit. Yeah, really? Are you sure? Yeah. 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 Maybe, maybe they had one girl like showing up for a little bit, but I don't think she's stuck. Like, it's like, it's like, it was a... We were there visiting one time, and they had a chalk everywhere, and the maze was going to be there, but they don't have anything. There's just a lot of Their area director just comes in once in a while and does something like that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Six movies got lost. Let's go on the newsletter. Yeah. Oh, my grandmother had to make recipes. Hey. What's up, bro? Hey, man. Oh, Going? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I can't remember. 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 I can't remember
All right, let's start kind of getting back together. Start wrapping up where you're at. We're going to do a lot here in the next 20, 30 minutes here. So, all right, so big picture. We've gone through finding somebody. We've learned how to fight for them, invite them. From there, what do we do with them to help them become my brother, my sister? How do we make them part of my family? And so we were talking through that idea of those kingdom convictions that we're really wanting them to grow in. How do we help them grow in those things? Like, okay, I know the what. How do I go about that? So kind of talking through those ideas of some of those kingdom conviction principles, like thinking through, just being, honestly, just a lot of intentionality goes a long way. Um, and so just thinking through, okay, how can I help walk with them through that? Um, even your weekly meetings should be really focused on that. How do we do this together. Not how do I impart my great wisdom to you, but how do I take what, you know, anything. Honestly, small group could be as simple, a weekly meeting could be literally as simple as just saying, hey, so last Thursday, Jacob talked about this. If you weren't there, quick recap. Let's talk about how do we do that as a college student and just strike the conversation. Talk about that for an hour. Like how do how do we do that? How do we help each other think through that from our own experiences? Or how do we help each other do it together? If it's something that's like community oriented in some other way. That's as simple. I have just given you your lesson plan for the next year. That it can be literally that simple. But because the goal is not let me impart my great wisdom, although you should and you do, and that's part of that. It's like, well, actually, you know, because somebody's good, well, I have this question about that. And you guys are like go into like well actually this is there's a great book on this I'm just reading this and you know so go there um, but don't make it too complicated your job is not to be a Bible study and that's why we say that in not a derogatory term as like in any way towards the Bible but it's not so that I can impart my wisdom about the anthropological or historical or contextual context of the exegetics of Scripture. But so that I can take, how do we do this together? How do we learn to live holy lives? How do we learn to have a walk with God? How do we overcome the challenges and the struggles? You know, how do we make decisions and grow? And you know, I'm using Duncan for some reason a lot today. But when Duncan was about to get married, it was his small group that got together and said, "Hey, uh, we'll we'll fund your flight to get over there." You know, he was like, "Do you think that?" We're ready. Like it honestly gave them the veto power to say, like, if you don't think I'm ready, you know, like they they did life together. They were walking through life together. How do you do that? So, so we're kind of talking through those cultural concepts. But um, another area that is kind of a, another lens to look through is, okay, I've got somebody, and they don't have the prayer life that. I have. Let's, you know, I just, you know, you're you're gonna say, man, they're they're not my level. You know, how do I challenge them? And and you gotta remember, there's there's always that anecdote that I tend to go to that uh, you have to remember where somebody is on the journey. That when you're in sports, if you were on the JV team in the gym, you might bench 135, and everybody needs to just celebrate that. But if you're on the varsity team and you're, you know, you're 220 yourself and you're benching 135, the coach slaps you on the back of the head, says, stop screwing around, put on more weights, right? Like the same action, but for 
two different people celebrated or scorned? Like, how do you assess that a little bit? And so uh, one of the things that's just kind of a, a real quick breakdown is in, I think I even talked about this at a large group recently, but, but in conviction creation, in the idea of, of our core uh, passion in our life and purpose in our life, we tend to kind of walk through uh, broadly kind of three steps. And so you'll, you can see those, uh, or four <coughs> steps, you kind of see those at the very bottom of your handout there. But the first one is simply this. They find most of the time people start with interest creation in anything. So and that's going to be true with Jesus, right? They're going to, if they're like totally, like have no history with the church or anything, um, you're not, you're not going to win them by saying, hey, um, well, the disciples started being pretty selfish, and Jesus led them to a journey to become selfless. But there's this kind of journey that you see. And the beginning phase is, is this interest creation. So you get these uh, kids who you can't say, like, hey, you are going to be a, an all-star American basketball player, um, and that's your ultimate purpose. They just want to play. They just want to goof off. They want to like get the basketball and see if they can make it, you know, dribble and if they can make a shot, right? So, um, and and to say, hey, this is your your purpose in your life is to be a you know basketball player. You you're going way too fast. And so so there's kind of this season of like they need to to play. And honestly, they kind of need to play with Jesus. Meaning what? What does that look like? Well, meaning like in the community, they just need to like learn to enjoy him and and to love him and to do things with him to to bring him into their life and and enjoyment needs to be high if you are if you in this if somebody is in this season of their life in any area of those convictions that we talked about and your high challenge um low support they're going to burn out or almost worse They'll rise to your expectations and become legalistic. But they need to grow the joy of the Lord. <coughs> and so there's this, like, think of a little kid learning a sports uh, analogy. Um, they need to develop the curiosity and the interest and the passion for Jesus in that initial phase. Uh, and I was actually even just talking with a small group leader actually recently. He's like, man, actually a couple of them I've talked to recently. Like, I think I skipped that in my life. I grew up in church, in community, knew that's what I was supposed to do. I jumped to, this needs to be my altruistic purpose, and I need to be disciplined in my life to follow Jesus, and never developed a passion to, to enjoy just being with him, relax, love, relationship, that kind of thing. And so, so it becomes really hard for them. They do things in their faith so often out of duty instead of out of enjoyment because they skipped uh, some of that in their own life. Um, so, low challenge, high support. Create small wins for people is critical. Uh, Scott Martin, I love his his thing. Uh, I have boys, and Scott Martin, if you know our national director, is a huge outdoorsman. Um, and so, he wasn't even talking in any way about a kingdom principle or discipleship, but I've always taken this and been like, man, that's so applicable in this other area. He was just telling me one a number of times he said, Nate, you have boys. You gotta teach them to love the outdoors. This is how you do it. 
So he says, you know, he says this. He says, "Do not take your boys on a on a, an Alaskan salmon fishing trip. <laughs> don't don't do it. Don't do it. Because for me, that is like, oh, oh, that would be amazing, right? To get out to Alaska to get like a a, a 50 pounds, you know, Alaskan salmon on the line. That's awesome." But you know, on average, I grew up in Oregon, you go salmon fishing all the time, but on average, it takes like five hours in the boat before you get a salmon. So that line is gonna sit there for five hours. You know what that's gonna do to a young boy who's ever been fishing? It's gonna kill any interest that he ever had. I, I hate fishing, I don't wanna do fishing, I never wanna do this again, right? And even if you get the salmon, which is really cool for a moment, they're like, it wasn't worth it, right? Because they don't value the, the huge fish. They're like, yeah, okay, it's a fish, right? Okay, they don't get how big of a deal, oh, you got a salmon, right? What they need to do is you need to go to the stocked ponds down the street that has a thousand fish they threw in yesterday. You know, that's why they do this. Like uh, the fish and wildlife will like always throw these things out uh, for kids. Like, hey, we just stocked this lake in this place. Why? Because the real fishermen are not going to get near it. They don't care. I mean, it, you know, you throw your line out. Yeah, you get like a, you know, a nine inch trout. Okay. Whoop de doo. No big deal. There's no challenge. There's no sense of success or, or you know, they, they're just like, this was a waste of my time. But for that little kid who doesn't yet value fishing, they need that small win. They need it. lots of little things that just are like, man, that just was so much fun. That was so cool. And I just got to do it. And then they develop this interest. Man, what would it be like if, you know, not just a nine pound fit or a nine inch fish, but like a nine pound fish what would that you know so all of a sudden they start to understand how big of a deal things are based on their experiences in small wins so take that into the spiritual realm we need to help people create small wins we need to give them a sense of, of accomplishment and joy and and success and celebration in little things and and sometimes that's just you know like hey let's just uh you know, I I don't even know. I'm trying to think of a specific analogy at the moment, but but like, hey, let's just uh, pray whenever we get together. And you mind actually praying, you know, and, and have them like pray out and maybe a small group, like just have them pray before you start. And like, Man, that was awesome, man. You did such a great job, right? Like it's it's just like a little thing that you ask them to do, like specific and interpersonal. Uh, but you got to create these small wins that they so they can create the values. Uh, Server return. We already talked about that, but that really falls in here. The kids. What do you, what do you return with what they serve? All right. Then you develop, uh, develop phase. Um, this is really where like you think of like the kid that like grew up playing basketball, like just shot hoops after school, thought it was fun, started trying to figure out some trick shots, playing between the, the legs. Now they're actually on a team, and now the coach is actually having them do drills. And they're not walking away just because the drills aren't as much fun as it was when they were little kids just playing on the on the practice uh, or just on the court because they, there's a little bit more purpose. They have this bigger vision. And what it would be like if we actually played and won a game, right? There's this deeper vision that's starting to be infused. Uh, at first, it's just doing it for the love of the thing. That's, that's really what your thought is. You're, you're helping them do something for the love of the thing itself. You're not thinking like bigger vision, but then you start kind of saying like, you know, hey, what if, how cool is it when you like spend your time walking, you know, praying and spending time with the king of the universe? 
now you're like, hey, let's actually intercede for our friends, right? One is just like about, kind of about me, it's just like what the enjoyment of being with my father. The other is a little bit bigger purpose. Like, So I'm going to actually start pressing into my walk with God a little bit more. So that deliberate practice uh, becomes an area where this is oftentimes uh, where community becomes so critical uh, because of the ideas of culture that we talked about today, but the power of team conformity forward readiness, we're more resilient when we're on a team. Um, challenge and support become really uh, important in here. To, if, if you're only supported, they actually have shown this with, with kids on like math. If you put, put a math uh, class together and you support them in whatever they do, like, hey, you did great, and never challenge them, uh, they actually don't do any better in math than class that never gets supported or challenged. So it's really interesting. Just support never goes in. But we understand that just challenge, like, hey, you could do better, uh, and no support just burns them out, right? That, but but the combo actually helps us grow. It's like, man, I know you you're, you could, you could really grow in your walk with the Lord. And I know you have an incredible walk with God that is just about to blossom out of the you know, you, you can do more, but you're going to have to press in a little more. That challenge and support, that encouragement, affirmation, and vision towards towards a greater journey with the Lord is, is critical. So we need to keep pushing them, developing them in that. And that means oftentimes we need to challenge them and support them uh, in that. Um, okay, then you kind of find this altruistic purpose. And oftentimes this actually kind of fills in anywhere in here. Sometimes people start with altruistic purpose almost. Um, they find this bigger vision that they are going to give their lives to and they start to have fun with it and they start growing it. Their, uh, most of the time for people, it happens uh, after. It happens later. Uh, it happens after I have learned to en- enjoy the Lord for his own sake uh, and, and learned to really press in and and be disciplined in my life to draw him into every area of my life that then I start to find this bigger vision about what we could do together and what my life is about more than just my walk with Jesus but it's about um, me sharing this love with Jesus to other people and when we kind of do that we kind of grow that way it becomes really natural to, to find this altruistic purpose not being a burden on our life it's not um a duty that we have to do, but we come to this place where it's a passion, it's a joy, it's something we want to do, and we give our lives to, um, because we have we have found this. Why do professional athletes? You never find professional athletes who are like I'm doing this out of some obligation. Like, <coughs> no, why? Because they would have quit long ago if it was some kind of obligation. They do it because they've developed this passion for this vision that they see in their life of what it would be like if I won the gold or if I, you know, we did this thing together. Uh, as a team or what have you. And we need to kind of have that mindset a little bit with our walk with God too, is that we need to journey together, we need to, to grow our journey, our walk with the Lord. That's not just duty and not just, you know, fun and games, but we're we're kind of growing that over time. And um, then then we find that kind of from there uh, we get to a lifelong development. And so kind of think through like when I was in college I 
I, so I was in crew uh, when I first started college. I joined the largest fraternity on my university. I joined crew because one of my alumni was one of the core leaders of crew. He joined staff. After he got saved in college, uh, joined staff. And so I just kind of got involved with that group. They're a great group. And, and I remember him actually taking me out one time and saying, hey, you want to just, like he knew like, hey, you're a Christian kid. You actually love Jesus. Like, you want to just like go out and try to meet somebody? And this was, like, I didn't have a whole group like this to kind of, like, figure this out and do this. This was super weird and, like, radical, but I really liked it. I'm like, we could do that? You know, like, okay. So we ha we go out, and he, this guy is, like, m Mr. Social. I mean, he is just, like, charismatic and whatever. So I go out with him, and he just got straight up conversations, you know, accidentally. He was just, I'm like, how did you even do that, right? But we go out there. And and he kind of just strikes up this conversation with this girl. He's like, just watch, like I do, you watch, right? That whole thing, right? So he's like, just watch. And, and he sits down and, we just, and he strikes up this conversation. He brings it to the Lord. I'm like, wow, that's really cool. And he, then he's like, why don't you do the next one? I'll kind of help you out. And I'm like, mm -hmm. you're Mr. Cool. I don't know if I could do that. I don't know, man, I'm kind of shy and quiet, you know, country boy from Eastern Oregon. I don't know if, he just kind of pushes me, no, you can do this. And I kind of go, Okay, and I strike up, and it's kind of, you know, I kind of fumble through a conversation, and it actually is really good. And I'm like, man, that was actually fun. That was really cool. And I start having these conversations with my fraternity brothers, and start realizing, uh, man, these guys actually want have questions about stuff that I grew up kind of knowing and intuitively. You know, I grew up in Sunday school. You have no history of the church. Like, I know things that, like, you know, so I start timing these conversations, and it's just kind of fun, like, with my friends. In these, you know, so it's like it's like I'm playing with responsibility. It's like I'm just kind of messing with it. You know, I'm not. There's no like big vision, no calling, no. I'm just, yeah, talking about the Lord with people. And all of a sudden, from there, I I start becoming a leader in that ministry. And then the Lord calls me into here at the UNC. I get involved with Chi Alpha. I become a leader there. And now I'm really like. I'm really trying to push myself uh, to, to reach the potential uh, in the Lord that I can have to impact my fraternity and my friends and my community. And so now I'm really like, you know, I'm not just playing around now. Now I'm like, man, I really want to like go there and do this. Like I have this dream of seeing my friends come to the Lord. And that, and that passion, that altruistic purpose is starting to develop. One, I'm like, man, it would be so cool if I actually had some experiences like, you know, these great men and women of faith that I always looked up to. Like, I would love to be like that. And so I, you know, there's this kind of developed deliberate purpose, but then I'm starting to see, it's not just about me having these stories, it's about them. It's seeing their lives changed, and seeing what the Lord could do in and through their life. I'm getting, my, I'm getting transformed. And, and now I am here, um, 14 years of full-time campus ministry, and I like telling small group leaders, uh, I am just now really figuring out what small group really is, right? After 14 years. Why? Because I've gotten, I'm starting to get to that place of lifelong development. From novelty to nuance, I'm starting to really press in. Like, man, what is it like to what, really, what are we really trying to impart? And how do we really like fight for people and, you know, the rhythms of school and all these kind of things and really going deeper and deeper. You know, my thoughts and, and how do we do this together?
And so, whether it's in responsibility, whether it's just in your walk with God, whether it's in brotherhood, people need to grow in in that. And oftentimes, even in brotherhood, um, in our world, people have never had these friendships. They just need to kind of mess around with brotherhood. It's like no real responsibility for one another. It's just like, man, you just need to learn what it's like to be honored and to hang out in a community that loves each other and just play with community, real community. And from that, they're going to start to like really start pressing in like, okay, to do that well, I'm going to have to like spend quality time with these guys. I'm going to have to start pressing into like asking good questions and letting them into my life and being vulnerable. Like, okay, I'm starting to like actually practice this and I'm going to find this altruistic purpose of what real brotherhood can look like in my faith. So we are helping people journey through that. Cool? Okay. Um, just some thoughts here in transition. That is all we've got for teaching. Now, uh, practicals, you're going to go break up into your cohorts. This week is the week everybody has been just dying for, been longing for, have just been like dreaming. Um, we are going to have testimonies on the stump. Woo! So... Um, what we're going to do is, is Thursday and Friday, we're going to set up some intentional time, um, Thursday and Friday, 10 to noon. Um, staff, I know we have staff Evo, we're going to kind of work around some things there, but, but we're going to get people out, uh, 10 to noon, Thursday and Friday, um, to, to get you out there and basically just have have a community that's going to do it together. We're going to do it together. So cohorts, talk through um, when would work well. If neither of those times work well for you, we did those because those are going to be the best weather days. We're getting snow tomorrow. Who knows? Colorado. Whatever. Wait five minutes. It'll change. So that whole thing. But but Thursday and Friday are going to be good. I like the mornings because uh, the the one of the goals of this is to help you learn just to be bold and. Honestly, I know you would like to do it at like right about now, Sunday nights on the plaza. You know, this is perfect. I can do it. I know I can. But it kind of defeats the purpose. I want 2,000 of your best friends to be walking by. And, and just to be like, I am loud and proud. I love. Now, here's the thing I'm not asking you to like preach hellfire and damnation. I'm not looking for like some dissertation of. 30 minutes where you're going to like, you know, uh, you know, apologetics or any of that. Don't stress that. Don't worry about that. Um, all I'm looking for is for you to very simply get up on that stump and say, this is why I love Jesus. Yeah. And this is why he loves me. And just, you know, for like three, four, five minutes at most, get up there, share that. And, and we're going to be around. We're going to do it with you. And we're going to celebrate. And... Uh, I love kind of spread out when we do this stuff because people will stop. People always do stop and they'll just sit and listen and and the rest of us can kind of just like casually, you know, pursue intensely, come across casually, but just kind of like peace out with your friends and just kind of walk over and just be like, hey, what's going on with, or what are you listening to here? And, you know, I'm part of this group, like anything here kind of catching your ear and what you're back, you know. So, just strike up a conversation, and and it's gonna be good. It's gonna be fun. It's gonna be fun, and we're just gonna play with with proclaiming the kingdom of God, so to speak, 
on this campus. And so let it be fun. If you let it be terrifying, it will be terrifying. If you let it be fun, it will be fun. Um, it really, it really is, it really can be. And honestly, almost every time, people's response is, I was terrified, I got up, I shared, I got down. Actually, that was actually pretty cool. I think I might do that again, right? You know, like, and then you don't ever, because like, well, I'm kind of terrified still a little bit. But really, it was kind of cool. Like, it was just like, hi, you get this like adrenaline rush. Like, wow, this was cool, I did it, I really did it. Um, but again, the goal here is you have to be bold to your campus. And so this is just a good way to teach you how to be bold uh, to your campus. So break up in your groups. Uh, you had small groups last week. Maybe you haven't done that yet. That's okay, but do that. Uh, and then next week and this week, how are you going to do that? If you can't do those times, let your cohort help you think through when you can do it. Uh, when either your small group leader can do it with you or your cohort can do it. Do not do it alone. Do not show up Thursday nights after outposts you know, alone and just, you know, it needs to be sometime ideally in the morning or no later than late afternoon. Uh, Thursday and Friday, we're going to do it together. If you can't do that time, uh, find another time that works within that framework. Do it in the snow. That's great. Praise God. Um, lastly, lastly, I do want to say two things. One, we will have a test next week uh, for this time. If, I'm not looking for like to you know, scare you, just looking for like, understand the core concepts, everything we talked about. Uh, look over the notes uh, on your Google Doc if that's helpful, but we're really doing like one question from each class. Uh, also, the week of Dead Week, we will be doing interviews. Uh, so you will do another interview with me and your future resource leader. Some people I know are like seniors in here uh, or, or will not be on campus here this next school year. If you're not uh, going to be doing small group leading specifically, you do not need to sign up for that. If you are interested in leadership with the Outpost, and we really hope you do, we'd love to walk with you through this again next year, uh, for real, where we're really playing the game, um, not just practicing, we're at practice. Um, then then uh, you need to sign up for an interview with you and your small group leader. The sign-up sheet is in your Google Docs. So uh, sign up there. Please don't have everybody sign up Sunday. Um, it's really challenging to find time. If everybody waits till the last minute, uh, spread it out, and we'll go from there. All right. I, I'm assuming maybe my staff are around. They're out there. They're all out here. Okay. So break up in your groups. Come on in, guys. And uh, break up in your resource groups, your cohorts, and have a good time. Ah! <laughs>